Reach Young Adult Ministry Sermons Online from Tuesday, November 10th, 2020, featuring guest speaker Sam Steele, entitled Don't Worry About Your Life from Matthew 6, 25-34. All right. Well, good evening, everybody. If y'all don't know me, my name is Sam Steele exact actually. I'm the young adult intern here. I work right under Philip, so it's kind of weird to be standing here teaching and doing what he would normally do a week and trade positions um, and him lead worship. So um, yeah, this is a little bit out of my comfort zone and um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity. But just a little bit about me real quick. Uh, I'm 18. I'm fresh out of high school. I, I'm a freshman at TCC and uh, I work at Chick-fil-A part-time. So I'm really good at saying my pleasure, so that's just a random fact that a lot of people get to know about me. Anyways, all right, if you guys could open up your Bibles to Matthew 6, 25, 34 through 34. While you guys are turning there, the title of this lesson is Don't Worry About Your Life. And uh, I think this is super prevalent in what's going on, especially with COVID and the election and just our world. And um, it's surprising how God uses um, something that I when I was getting ready to teach and looking at things, it's crazy how God teaches you something to yourself before you can teach it to others. So um, just to give you guys a background of Matthew, before we jump into this text, we have to actually understand what what's going on here because you can't understand anything in the Bible without context. Because the Bible doesn't mean what it says, it means what it means. And that's such a good phrase, and I love it. Well, Matthew itself is written by Matthew the Apostle. Go figure, it's the first book in the New Testament. And it's written to the Jews for the purpose of validating Jesus to them. So the Jews have been given the Old Testament, and now that Jesus has come, the New Testament is it's not written yet. But the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Just like Phil Dietz would say if you know him. So this was actually likely written in Hebrew before it was written in Greek. Fun fact for you, kind of. And um, there's four main themes of this because there's 60, over 60 prophecies that are within this chapter. And the whole purpose of it is to show the Jews that the God that they've read about and they've heard about in the Old Testament and of their ancestors, all the prophecies that have been said are being fulfilled. So there's four main themes that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the new Abraham, the new Moses, and the new Emmanuel. So this ties into so many things and um, just like the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to hop right into there. In Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus is speaking the Sermon on the Mount to the Jews. And it starts on chapter 5 saying that he walked down the mountain. And you know who ascended the mountain? Abraham in the Old Testament. It's depicting that Jesus is the new Abraham, which is so cool. But this is the gateway to the New Testament. So just that's a ton of context for this chapter. But it's going to help you understand this text and Jesus is preaching style because the thing is, if you don't know what preaching is, preaching is, like Philip would say, it's truth mixed with personality. And I don't know about you, but Jesus created personality. And so he had personality when he preached. And so this is a message straight from him. And so I have the pleasure and honor of being able to preach it to you guys. So number one is your choice. So let's jump right into the text here in verse 25. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, this whole first section is Jesus introducing a topic. 
right before this, the context or for therefore, because we have to understand what therefore is there for. It's there because Jesus, in the context of the whole entire Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about how you're supposed to live your life. And he's also talking about right before this, and just a couple of verses about seeking God and not seeking after money. And so what you treasure in another sense, the text actually says in verse 24, you can't serve both God and money. So this is the context for this passage. And he says, don't worry about your life. And in the original text, the language in the Greek, it says, don't be anxious or don't care about. And I think that's such a significant word. Sometimes we don't take a second and think about what he's really saying it when he's saying worry. Because he's saying don't be anxious. And that word be always sticks out to me. Because think about it. What do you worry about in your life? Do you worry about what you care about? Because all of us, we have something we care about in our life. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure you all care about something. And that causes us to worry. We worry about what we care about. And he's saying here, don't be anxious. It's a choice to be anxious. Philip said a couple weeks ago, then John 14, it says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Those are the words of Jesus. He continues on to say, in my father's house are many, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. The cool thing about that verse is that God is telling us the, the problem, the human sickness that we have. This is such a common thing among us is that we worry. We choose to care too much about our lives. And hopefully as we dig apart these next sections, you start to realize that what you're caring about doesn't really matter. And I know that might be depressing or kind of sad to hear, but the truth is we're not all that. And I know sometimes I myself get in the habit of thinking I'm all that in a bag of chips, but I'm not. And that's just the truth. So it's a choice to be worried in what we care about. So maybe as we go through tonight, you can think about what you care about in your life and put it up against God and what he says and see if it's really worth that. And so Jesus is introducing this human issue that we care too much because have we made life what we care about? That's what he's asking. Like that's, he's introducing this topic and he explains what we think life is. He, He says here about your body, what you wear, about what you will drink, about what you will eat. He's like, is it about the daily thing? Are you worrying about the daily thing? And he's asking that. He's saying, isn't life more? And so in these next verses, Jesus, this is a typical way that Jesus teaches. And you'll notice this if you study the word more and are able to go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus does this very particular pattern. He's going to introduce a topic. He's going to explain it. And then there's going to be a conclusion, just like an essay that we'd write in school which I hate, and I, I'm not doing great in my English class right now, but that's, that's another. <laughs> Anyways, all right, I don't, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I'm bad at writing essays. Um, but what the cool, the cool thing about this is that if we have a question, if you have a question in your life, where do you go for your answers? Because many of us don't realize that the place we go is to the Word. I want to say if there's one thing that has stuck out to me working under Philip is that he's told me that if I have a question, I go to God's word. Because I'm pretty sure that since God created everything, he probably has an answer to everything. And so literally Jesus isn't going to be like, oh, hey, here's a topic. 
I'm just going to leave it there. God's always going to explain himself. And he's always going to show us the answer. And sometimes it takes time. And so as we jump into this topic of worry, Jesus first talks about the birds of the air. So let's read, starting in verse 26. It says, Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And he continues on in verse 27 and says, Can any of you add one moment to his life span by worrying? This brings us to the second point, which is this. Your heavenly Father. Say that with me, everybody together. Your heavenly Father. There's a particular word in there. It's your. He says, your heavenly Father. And he says, consider the birds of the sky. And, and when you say consider, you say ponder and think about. Do we ever really stop and actually think about the birds? Probably not. I mean, maybe we can enjoy them. I'm not a bird watcher. <laughs> it's not my hobby. But do we ever stop and actually think about the minor parts of creation that's going on around us? I mean, it says in Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Then it's all around us. It is. And so this analogy of the birds is, is supposed to be to show us that this is something that we find so insignificant to ourselves. God does this, Jesus, Jesus does this on purpose. He wants us to realize that something so minor to us is so important to him. And that he cares about the little details of everything. And even in farther on in Matthew, Jesus talks about birds and he says that two are sold for a penny. And that in these times, they were not worth much at all. And so he's explaining the insignificance that we think they are to show that he cares. And he says that they don't have the ability to sow or gather into barns. They don't have the intelligence to do that. They just don't. And so this is, this is one of the main things I want you to get tonight. It's this, that your heavenly father is there for you. Your heavenly father loves you, and he is your heavenly father. Because we are created in his likeness. We are. We are the first fruits of God crea- God's creation. We are, and he has given us intellect. He has given us personality. He has made each person in here different. And God is going to, in this, in this word, he's going to, as time progresses, show us where our worth is. Jesus isn't just trying to give us an analogy of a bird and then he's going to continue on showing other analogies just to give an analogy. He's focusing on our worth and who we are, which will tie back into worry as we continue. But Heavenly Father is, is dwelling in heaven or coming from heaven and he is perfect. And Jesus asked the question, are you worth more than they? This is the first worth question. God is going to ask two specific questions about our worth. He says, are you worth more than they? Think about that. I mean, you probably would be considered worth more than a bird. But you're worth more than that. And he says, can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? How often do we worry about a situation? I mean, like every day, like what we'll eat. And, you know, I'm, I'm always in like a constant like, when am I going to eat today? And then I forget to eat. It's a really bad habit of mine. Um, I actually do. I'm not exaggerating to you. Sometimes I forget to eat lunch, and it's really bad. But we often worry about little minor things. And have we ever stopped to think about 
does worrying help a situation at all? Like, how does that, like, change? Like, is it going to make things better? When has worrying ever made anything better? Like, never. And the thing is, is I, I loved what one of my high school teachers said once, and I don't really remember a lot of what he said, but he said this thing. He said, nothing is going to stop the sun from rising tomorrow. And I often think back on that. Like, what are you going to do that's going to stop the sun from rising tomorrow? Like, is the world going to end? I mean, I know sometimes we're like, oh, the world's going to end. and we, We're just ridiculous. But the truth is, you worrying will do nothing. Jesus is literally saying, stop it. Like he is. You know, Jesus is our shepherd and he has a rod and a staff. But the thing is, you know, the rod is to protect. The staff is to whack. And the thing is, God, is, God whacks us with his word. That's the truth. And he's saying, stop it. I mean, as it progresses, he'll show you why. He doesn't just say that. He wants us to understand why. So worry doesn't help a situation. Surprising. So remember that as we continue on. Let's move down to verse 28 through 30. It says this in verse 28. And how and why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? We come back to this observation, or just like Jesus said before, consider the birds of the air. He's saying, observe the wildflowers of the field, something that we wouldn't think about. Something that seems so minor and insignificant to us. Once again, he brings it back to something small. And when I was studying this, I was like, why does he keep bringing it back to something small? Like, why does it keep coming back to this? He's trying to show us our worth. He is. He is. It says they are so helpless and small, yet Solomon wasn't even adorned like them. Adorned is a very fancy word that I would never add to my vocabulary ever. And I was so confused because I thought it was it said adored, but that that didn't make sense to me. Adorned is actually let me let me tell you the definition so I don't say it wrong. It refers to putting on or clothing oneself. So God clothes the field with wildflowers. That's what that's what Jesus is saying here to clarify. And this just shows the love for his creation because God doesn't have to He doesn't have to give us wildflowers. He doesn't have to give us so many parts of his creation, yet he does. But the coolest part is it's all a reflection of his love. And we don't even realize it. Like we don't realize that the birds of the air and how he provides for them, when we see how he provides for them, that's him reminding us of his love. And we see the wildflowers of the field, and we see beautiful creation, mountains, the ocean. It's a reflection of his love. I feel like so many parts of the Bible points back to love. It's because without love, we are nothing. It says in Corinthians that, you know, if we don't have love, we are nothing. Three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And I believe that Jesus always wants us to remember his love because as believers, that's what defines us. If we're Christ followers, then we, then we are called to love. Like it's just the way we are. It's the way we're called to be. And he says he, it says he loves even the grass that is thrown in the furnace tomorrow. 
something that's so minor and temporary, and yet he clothes the grass. And if we are worth more than creation, it says he, won't he do much more for us? See, he keeps establishing and pointing back to our worth as his children because he's our heavenly father. He is perfect. We have fathers of this world and we have our heavenly father. Because here's the thing, I know that not all of us have grown up amazing dads, amazing fathers, and there's a lot of broken situations out there. And that's so hard. But we have confidence that God, who is our heavenly father, is perfect. Heavenly. Pretty sure heaven's perfect. So our father is perfect. And he loves us perfectly. Just like he loves the birds and he loves the grass. Those minor details. He's reminding us. He keeps reminding us. But he's getting to the root of the issue here. This is where, he's st- where Jesus is starting to hone in on things. This is so cool. Is in, in, verse, in verse 25, he says this. Uh, sorry, not verse 25. This is, uh, sorry, this is the second time he asks a question. He says in verse, where is it? I can't find it. In verse 30, he says, If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? I love that question, but it stings. Once again, Jesus whacks us. I don't know about you, but that question kind of hurts because Jesus is getting to the root of the issue. So often we try and get around things, but Jesus doesn't mess around. He just gets to it. And he says, you of little faith. He's pointing it all back to the fact that it's our faith. And that, that can even be translated in the original language as you who trust too little. So in your sanctified imagination, I know I just used that phrase, Jesus is speaking to everybody. He's speaking to the Jews. And he goes, you don't trust me? You, you have little trust? I've shown you that I provide for the grass, and I show you that I provide for the birds, and yet you have little faith in me? Because God is saying, I love you. Don't you understand that? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that I, I'm showing you all this proof and yet, you still don't trust me. And where does this little faith come from? The truth is that it's our source of doubt and God's power. The source is doubt and God's power. And we try and put him in our own box and we can't understand him. The truth is, we so often try to understand God. And we try to put him in our own little box And we so often forget that God is so mighty and he's so big. I often forget that time doesn't like matter to God. We wonder why he can know so much about us. It's because he created everything. And that's like so hard to fathom. But we get caught in our own selfishness thinking that we can do what's best. That I, Sam Steele, I'm able to provide for myself and do all these things myself. Just the phrase as a little kid. I do myself. That's what I used to say when I was a kid. I used to have a pair of yellow Crocs, and I would always put them on the opposite feet, and my parents would try and make me move them, but I always wanted to do things myself. It's like God is like pointing out, hey, you can't do this yourself. You're bad at putting on your Crocs. 
I know it's a funky analogy, but God's saying that to us. And, he, and he's saying, hey, I can help you because I created everything. And our God is a jealous God. You cannot do God's job. And I know like when I say that, you're like, oh, I don't try and do jobs, God's job. Yeah, you do. Every single day. We try and do things in ourselves. We try and, oh, I'm going to do this and this and this. And we forget about the one job that we have, which is to abide. Yes. Can I get it? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> abiding is so important. But the thing is, you will not be glorified in your selfishness. We listen to that lie. We listen to the lie that if I'm selfish and I do my own thing, we don't say selfish, but we're like, if I do this and I get this all done in myself, then I'll be glorified and I will get all the glory. The truth is that never works. Maybe for a second, maybe for a second we'll feel that happiness of like, oh wow, I'm like so great. But the downfall is just way worse. So God is pointing to the root of the issue and it's that we trust him too little. And so as we move down into verse 31, Jesus is going to talk about your insecurity, your insecurity. So let's read these verses here. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? Jesus right here is recapping Matthew 25 through 30. All of what he's just said, he's recapping everything. He's talking about how worry is the natural way of our lives and that it's a choice to be worried. We can choose not to be worried. So he's bringing it all back to there. And then he says in verse 32, For the Gentiles eagerly seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So the Gentiles, why, why would Jesus say Gentiles? Well, moving back to the context of all of Matthew, he's speaking to the Jews. And the outsiders to the Jews and the unbelievers to the Jews were referred as Gentiles. So to us, what Jesus is saying is the unbelievers. He's reminding us that we're different. different. Because he says the Gentiles eagerly seek after these things, these physical worries. He's showing that life without God is a life that is insecure. I love the way that's been said by Philip. And we, we revert to darkness. That's our natural way. Do you wonder why the world hates Christians? Do you wonder why the world hates us? It's because we live in the light. And the world hates light. Light opposes darkness. And our natural way is to revert towards darkness. But God is reminding us that we are different. Aren't we different from this world? Jesus is reminding them of that. He's saying, aren't you different than the Gentiles? Aren't you different than all the unbelievers? You see, it all ties back to worth. Because why are we selfish in the first place? We're selfish because we're insecure. We are. Men and women, we are all insecure. We have women. We have men. And we are hit in different ways in insecurity, but we are all insecure. Satan likes to be very strategic. It's women. It's outside appearance. And it's more of a how people look at you. With men, Men don't want to admit it, but it's performance. We're so insecure that we have to be amazing. We have to have the perfect job and that a strong man is a man that doesn't show any emotion. I listened to this, this 
teaching the other day, and, and it said, strong men are men that cry. And I was like, what? And I was like, what do, what do you mean by that? It all goes back to that insecurity. When we're so insecure, we try and hide everything. And as men, that's the way the devil gets us. We fall into this insecurity. And we have to realize that we can't prove ourselves. We can't prove ourselves to God. Jesus died on the cross for us, and yet we try to prove ourselves. Jesus already did enough proof for us. It's our job to live in that. The thing is, he says, when he's saying live differently, he's saying, don't be like the Gentiles. I've, I've created you differently. He's telling us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This whole year at REACH has been about transformation. He's saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying, stop worrying. I provide for you. And yet you worry every day. He's bringing it back to those simple analogies that we were looking at, the grass and at the birds. And he's saying, I love those things. And you're worth more than those. And I love you. And so do we believe this or do we know this? Hear me when I say that. Do we believe this or do we know this? Because there's a complete difference in belief and knowledge. Because we have belief and that's our core and then knowledge comes on top of it. But you want to know something? We can have a lie and we surround it with knowledge. Here's the thing. You can know that God doesn't want you to worry and that he'll provide for you. Or you can believe it. You can believe it or know it. There's no in between. Because what happens is, is we know that God can provide for us, but deep down at the belief, we don't believe it at all. It takes belief. What's going to change that belief for you? Seriously. Are you going to have to hear this a million times until you realize you don't have to worry? It took that for me. After reading this over and over and over and over again, God smacked me in the face and reminded me I don't have to worry. But it's all because I wasn't believing it. I knew it. I was like, Scripture says that I don't need to worry. Scripture says this and this and this. But it's all down to the core. What do we believe? And this applies to all areas of God, not just this. It's the root. We can have all the knowledge we want, but if we don't believe it, it's worthless. And so he's calling us to be transformed. And even says he knows we need these things. It doesn't say he, God assumes we need things. It's not like God is like, oh, they might need food today or they might need this and this. God knows. Because God created knowledge. He created everything. He created what you eat. He created the car you drive. He created every intricate detail about you. And I just don't understand sometimes why God loves me. I don't understand why the Bible says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But I guarantee you that if you believe that, how would that change how we walk every day? How would it change if we realize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that every single intricate thing about us is specific to us? It's not meant to be something that Oh, I, I just hate that there's people that just look down on themselves because they do this or they do this or I'm sorry I'm this way, I'm sorry I'm this way. The truth is you are fearfully and wonderfully made and God made you for a purpose. 
And sometimes we, we, when we get down to the core, we don't really believe that. We don't believe that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is our Heavenly Father. We can't forget that. Because he, he knows us because he designed us. It says that, right after it says that God knit us together in our mother's womb and we are fearfully and wonderfully made, it said that before we were born, our days were numbered in his book and they were planned out for us. And that's just so remarkable. He's planned out every day for us. And yet we worry. Us of little faith. And he says, as he goes on in verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be, will be provided for you. He gets down, he got down to the point. He said, okay, we worry. And what's, what is that source from? Source from our little faith. But where does that, where does that come from? It comes from our insecurity, our worry. And so it all goes down to what do we seek then? If we're not called to worry, then, then what are we supposed to seek after? He says, but seek first. So seek in order to find. Crave after the kingdom of God. He doesn't just say, seek second. He says, seek first. And I'm pretty sure he put it there for a reason. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. God seek after God's will and his perfect purpose. Because it's not my kingdom and my purpose. It's God kingdom, God's kingdom and God's purpose. I think we so often like, we, we don't think about that, but we often live that way. It's like, oh, my kingdom. Like, I'm building myself up and I'm doing all these things, but we don't realize that it's, it's all about God's kingdom. In the end, your kingdom that you think you have will be nothing. As he goes on, it, it says that all these things will be provided for you. All these physical things. He's saying, if you just seek after me first and you choose not to worry about these things, then I got you. And either way, God loves us. He loves us in our worry, but that doesn't give give us an excuse to worry at all. We're called to seek first his kingdom, and Jesus was the ultimate example of this. Do you realize that Jesus actually was anxious? Do we ever stop and realize that because he came to earth? And he experienced what we experienced. Jesus bled because he was so anxious. He was praying to the Father, Lord, take this cup from me. But not my will, but your will be done. Jesus bled. He was literally sweating blood because he was so anxious. So don't tell me that God doesn't understand what worry and anxiousness is. Because Jesus knows exactly what that is. Jesus knows exactly what it feels like. And so he says, therefore, verse 34. So what's it therefore? He's concluding all of this. And he's explaining to us that, okay, you worry. Stop it. Seek my kingdom. Seek my kingdom. He says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So when he's saying therefore in concluding this, and he's talking about what tomorrow holds, he mentions how tomorrow will worry about itself. Now he's not saying you can't plan and you can't have plans to do something fun on the weekend. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying don't worry. 
because he's he's literally personifying tomorrow, reminding us that we like if we worry about tomorrow, is it gonna change it? Like is the is the sun is the sun not gonna rise because I'm worrying? And the thing is is that our plan like he has a plan for us daily that's beyond our understanding. Every person you come in contact with in your lifetime, whether it's for a millisecond, whether it's you just pass them and you see them, whether it's a lifelong friendship, they're there for a purpose. And that's so beyond our understanding sometimes. But it's the truth. And God's plan in perfect timing, like we so often don't rely on that. So why do we worry if God is so perfect in the way he does things? We're so insecure. My challenge to you is this. As you walk through tomorrow, if Jesus is really saying, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, I challenge you not to worry about tomorrow. Go to God and surrender. Surrender control. You can't just surrender the big things. Jesus is not saying, like he's saying surrender your life, but Jesus points to all these little things, what you eat, what you drink. So often we don't see God in the little things and we try and like cover things up. And we, like God does some really cool, just little thing just to remind us that he's there. And then we try and steal that from from him and then we're just like, "That, that was a coincidence. The truth is, if we start to graft and really believe that God provides for us, then maybe, just maybe, something will change in our life. Maybe we'll actually start producing fruit that we haven't produced before. A good tree bears fruit. And how do we bear fruit? By abiding. I said it again. But that's the truth. And so, live today. If you love God and trust in him, everything else will fall into place. I think we don't realize that sometimes. Like if we just simply just love God, everything else in our life will fall into place. Do you realize that every ounce of love that you give anybody in your life stems from God's love? It's like a fountain. God is at the very top and he's the source. And every ounce of love drips down from you to the next person, to the next person, to the next person. It's never from you. You never pull love out of yourself. You could say it's love, but it's not love. It could be by the definition of the world, but it's not. Every ounce of love in our life comes from the Lord. So as Jesus was speaking to the Jews, and as he moves through this topic of worry, we can learn these simple truths. We learn that to be worried is a choice. He said that right at the beginning. He said, don't worry about your life. Don't be anxious. Don't care for. We worry about what we care about. And it's a choice to be worried. You know, sometimes we get all stressed out in our heads and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just so stressed out. I'm worrying and like my emotions are all out of whack and all, all these things. And we're like worried. Sometimes I don't. I don't want to like freak you out when I say this, but you can stop it. Like, yes, it's a challenge, but it's a choice.
to be worried is ultimately a choice. And worry stems from insecurity. But your Heavenly Father defines your worth. If we listen to his word and we truly believe it, not just know it, like James says, he says, be doers of the word. You know, we aren't just supposed to read God's word because God's word will never return void. And so our Heavenly Father defines our worth. He reminds us by giving us the analogy of the grass and of the birds and how he loves the, the tiny little details of our life. And that's a reflection of a fraction, just a fraction of how he loves us. And the truth is, you know God can provide. You do. But do you believe that? You have little faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end my life and look back and, and think about that phrase. You have little faith. Because sometimes I just, I doubt. And I become that person of little faith. But that's not what God wants. God has his arms wide open. He's like, trust in me. Just trust in me. And he's always there. He's providing that for us. And yet we sit here and we're like, oh no, I can't come to God. I can't know if, if he really like, if I worried about this and I brought it to God, it would seem so stupid. That's not the truth. God cares about every little detail of your life and he proves that. And the last thing is this. Live different because you are different. And you probably hear phrases like that all the time. Live changed. Live Live like this because you're special. And, you know, the veggie tales, you're special and God loves you very much. If you guys ever watched that. But the truth is, you are different. You are special. And don't let the enemy steal that joy from you. Don't let the enemy get in your head and convince you deep down in that belief that you aren't worth anything. Because you're worth everything. I like how Philip said it before. Our worth is defined by what someone will pay. And Jesus paid it all for you. So that's where your worth lies. Yet we doubt that. That belief. We try and put all that knowledge over it. And I'm going to say it over and over again until it annoys y'all. You got to believe it. None of this scripture makes sense unless you believe it. And so as you leave tonight, I want to challenge you. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself. Because when Jesus was ending this, Jesus is speaking so practically to these people that are listening, reminding them, like, hey, tomorrow, like these people were living like us and they had it tomorrow. And he said, don't worry about tomorrow. So I say that to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself. Has trouble of its own. The sun will rise. And the sun is a constant reminder of God's mercy and God's grace upon us. So leave here different. That's my challenge to you.
What's up, everybody? This is Philip Jackson, pastor of young adults at Evergreen Church. I want to invite you to come to Reach. We meet every Tuesday evening at 6.30 at Evergreen Church, just east of Mingo on 111th Street. For more information, check out our website, reachtulsa.org. You can connect with us on social media and on Instagram by searching for reach.tulsa. Also, be sure to subscribe to our content for the latest sermons and updates. You can also find us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Yeah, wash over us. Bring your glory down